Hey everyone, welcome back to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or VETS, which I also have. This is Katie, your host, and today I have Jenny with me. Hey Jenny. Hi Katie, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, Meeting you just a couple months ago was awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share my story with you. And I was super excited that you were one of the first people that I had met with VEDS because you are like such an inspiration. You get out there, you are an advocate for uh, VEDS patients. And I feel pretty lucky that um, you were one of my first connections. Oh, thank you so much. It was so cool meeting like so many people there. I felt like that was like the biggest group of people that I've met at a symposium. It was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's really neat. And I'm a relatively new diagnosis of VEDS. And to have met, you know, a handful of people right off the bat this year, I thought I, I feel very lucky for those connections. That's so great. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. I do think it makes a huge difference for people when very you get to meet so. somebody else. So you said this was pretty recent for you. When were you diagnosed with VEDS? So I received my diagnosis in January of this year, 2019. How did that happen? Um, Well, my story is a little complicated because I do have other medical issues. Um, I've been fighting for a medical diagnosis for years and years, um, kind of this mystery diagnosis. I've had kind of strange things go on with my labs, with um, bruising issues, with um, different kinds of uh, clotting factors, with um, a lot of severe headaches. And so after I went to pharmacy school, and after pharmacy school, I really struggled in finding some kind of diagnosis to make sense of my um, issues. I saw multiple doctors, multiple specialists, and finally, after years of testing, was able to get a diagnosis of lupus. Mm -hmm. And lupus is an autoimmune connective tissue disorder. Lupus affects everybody very differently. Lupus can affect any kind of organ system in the body. And I knew that the lupus that I was struggling with was affecting my kidneys and my liver and also causing me a lot of joint pain and headaches. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of thought that lupus was kind of my end-all, be-all for diagnosis. I thought maybe that would be the answer to why I bruised so easily or why I had really bad headaches kind of my whole life. And so, you know, kind of feeling like you actually had a diagnosis, I sort of felt comfortable with moving ahead and and going on with lupus. And it was August of 2018, so last year, I normally have headaches, but these headaches all of a sudden took a change for the worse. Um, I would wake up at like three in the morning almost every night with these searing headaches that would cause almost blindness in my left eye. Mm -hmm. Um, it was super scary. I went on with those kind of headaches for probably a month. Um, wow. I would, yeah, it was, it was just a lot. You know, obviously I connected with my primary physician. I connected with my rheumatologist. Both of them reassured me that this is probably an acute flare. You know, let's increase your steroids. Let's 
know, maybe you're stressed. You need to try to stay away from stress. And that's not always an easy thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the, I, I mean, that's impossible. Yeah. But, you know, after even increasing the medications and the headaches were just not going away and it was really hard to kind of continue functioning as a person and as a full-time employee and as a mom because these headaches were just terrible. Um, so I finally decided to go to a different internal medicine doctor. I work in a small hospital in my hometown and so I was lucky enough to be able to go um, to somebody that I knew. I went into the office visit, I chatted with him a little bit uh, you know, and he looked at me and he said, absolutely not. This is not normal. There's no way this is related to lupus. That's too much. Mm-hmm. So he did um, schedule me for an MRI. Um, unfortunately, the MRI, I had, it took me a couple, I can't remember if it was a week or two to get in because I'm from a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of lived with these headaches for about a week or two. Finally got to go in that day for my MRI. Um, had the MRI, and then afterwards I went out to dinner with um, a friend and my two kiddos, and we are sitting at Applebee's, like, waiting to order our food, and I got a phone call from the nurse at the hospital saying that I needed to go into the emergency room right away. Um, That had to be terrifying. It's terrifying because, A, I can handle the, the news, but it was my kids that were there and that I was trying to sort of compose myself because they, you know, they've seen me with headaches and they've seen me, I feel like kind of health has always been something that they've had to deal with, like with my health and with my issues. And it was just one more thing now that they're watching me to see, what do you mean you got a call from the hospital? You have to go to the emergency room? What's going on, mom? And I was trying not to be panicky, but in my head I was thinking, well, this is it. I have a brain tumor or there's something that's very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I finally got to the ED, um, I, I found out that I had three diced arteries. I had um, my left carotid artery, artery was completely collapsed due to the, a dissection. My, I had dissections in my left vertebral and my right vertebral arteries with aneurysms in all three of those spots. Wow. So at least it was kind of an answer to yeah. uh, the headaches, which I was happy to get an answer, but I didn't know anything. And, you know, I wasn't diagnosed at that point. So I just thought, well, how does this happen? I don't know anything about dissections. In my head, I was thinking I'm going to have to have surgery and then I have to they're going to have to go put stents in. I just, I wasn't really sure of what's going to happen. And I got shipped from my small town down to Rochester, Minnesota, where the Mayo Clinic um, is and got to go meet with multiple specialists, which was really great. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they decided not to fix any of the dissections, um, even though my carotid artery had completely collapsed and I had no blood flow going on my left side due to the carotid artery, they wanted to watch and wait um, just to see what would happen. Yeah. So did they send you, did, did any of them suspect feds at that time for a cause? Yep. I had not one person mention anything about feds. I mm-hmm. think because of the lupus underlying, or I guess that underlying diagnosis, 
you know, lupus is just one of those things that can really affect anything. So I think, or can really affect any part of the body. Uh-huh. And so I think they sort of just, you know, lupus can have issues with blood clotting. You can have issues with, um, because it is a connective tissue disorder and your arteries are partly made of connective tissue, that could obviously be a cause. So um, they just kind of thought, you know, this is a expansion of the lupus. Right. Okay. And I guess I didn't think twice about it because they're the doctors and, and they know. But um, after meeting with a neurologist that first day, you know, when she reviewed my dissections and reviewed the skins, she was the one who just thought, okay, well, you know, yes, it could be due to lupus, but let's just make sure we're covering our bases. And so from the neurologist, I met with a vascular specialist. I met with rheumatology. I met with neurosurgery, a headache specialist. And I finally did end up in medical genetics, um, kind of slew of appointments. Yeah. So medical genetics was interesting for me because I didn't really know what to expect there. And when I sat down with the doctor, the doctor he looked at my medical history. He looked at my family history. And he was like, I, I'll be honest, you, you, you don't meet any of the criteria for anything I'm thinking about. Um, you know, he looked at my skin. He looked at my joints. Mm-hmm. He said, no, you know, you don't have Marfan. It doesn't look like you would have anything with vascular Ehlers-Danlos. I'm thinking about a couple of things. But we do have a vascular panel that I could run you know, I, I think because of your dissections, we'll run it, but I'm not expecting it to come back with anything. So you should be good. <laughs> you know, it's left with the, you should be good. So I kind of hung on to that. You should be good and mm-hmm. didn't really think much more. I didn't, I didn't really have any family history of any kind of um, vascular events or, you know, this was sort of a new realm. Um, so I guess I, I left that appointment. The doctor said it would be four to six weeks for me to get my uh, test back. And I went and, you know, just moved on and did my thing. So about, you know, flash forward four weeks later, I am on a girl's trip. We go down to the Dominican Republic. There's, I don't know, 15 girls. We're, you know, enjoying ourselves. We're down sunny Dominican Republic. Well, the first morning I get there, you know, we get to the pool, we're fighting our lawn chairs, and bing, I get a alert on my phone saying that I have a new lab result. So I look at it, and it says, I mean, I remember it clearly saying, pathogenic variant vascular Ehlers-Danlos. On and the first day of your trip. On the, yep, day one. You know, so I have a week left down in the Dominican Republic, um, and I probably should have looked at it a little more, you know, after my genetics appointment. He just kind of had me convinced that I wasn't going to meet the criteria of anything and yeah. saying, well, you're not going to, it doesn't matter. So I didn't really research it or didn't look into it anymore. And so I did the most, um, you know, same thing that I could, which was Google vascular Ehlers-Danlos <laughs> um, down there. And obviously that was a really scary thing to have to like find out on my own and then to not know anything about it and to look up like the Google stats. Um, that was a really scary moment because it just thought, okay, I have this huge diagnosis. Nobody is telling me anything about it. Here I am in another country. 
like I need help or I, I just want to make sure like what am I doing you know how do I go forward I feel like that was a really it's a turning point you know for your life because it was just like boom this is what you're presented with yeah. now you have to figure out like your new life and starting it kind of by myself without any answers was a little scary I had tried to call um, multiple providers and wasn't able to get a hold of anybody left messages and you know one of the the first things on Google that I saw was the median lifespan of 48 years mm-hmm. you know that was a real like wake-up call like holy moly this is way bigger than I thought it would be mm-hmm. I just um it still gives me chills to kind of think about that moment of holy moly I'm dealing with a way bigger thing than I thought I was Right, especially when you didn't even think anything of it. Right. I mean, like I said, it's always been lupus, 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 and, you know, these silly little, little things that are going on. And then all of a sudden it, it went from this monster of lupus to this even bigger monster of vascular Ehlers-Danlos, and now I don't, I don't really know where to go for the information. Yeah. How many days was it from when you got your diagnosis like on your phone to when (laughs) you got in touch with the doctor um it was about five days oh my gosh that's like most of your trip in the Dominican Republic right yeah so most of the girls on my trip probably you know (laughs) they were probably like poor girl like what is wrong with this girl in the corner (laughs) you know we're supposed to be having fun and she's over there like scouring her phone on the internet (laughs) I don't know like she's like ferociously calling people back home like I don't know what's going on and yeah I mean it's a really awkward kind of uncomfortable thing that I've realized like over the last year is trying to explain it to people as well and I think even from day one on that trip to even going forward now it's a hard thing to try to explain to people because how do you how do you um, start your conversation? Hi, I have this genetic disorder that is this terrible, awful thing inside my arteries. But let's um, have fun it, in the Dominican know, Republic anyway. <laughs> but yeah, like, hey, don't you want to go to the bar? Let's go have a drink. <laughs> not exactly. Those two like weren't really compatible. I mean, it yeah, it's not a great conversation piece. <laughs> totally not. Um, yeah, so it was uh, definitely a... Like, okay, I got to figure out how to enjoy this trip and then get back to, you know, finding what I need to find out and move forward with this. So, yeah. And I think just finally getting home from the trip and being able to connect to a doctor in Rochester, I was so happy to finally, okay, sit down and talk to somebody about, okay, this is what this is, this is what it means. Because, you know, as you know, looking on the, the internet for information is, it's so scary there's, you can just scare yourself, um, or, you know, the information is just, there's so much information, and it, maybe it's misinformation, or maybe it's, you know, information that isn't pertinent to you, but a lot of it is really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Especially when you've never thought about those things before. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, it's like you and go just, from never worrying about your arteries to maybe worrying about them all the time. Right. And obviously, like, knowing that I had dissections, I mean, I knew there was something going on. 
but that went from like worrying about these spots in my arteries to now I have to worry about all of you know everything in my body and how is that going to affect things going forward? Yeah, I just had so many questions and I, I wanted to be able to sit down and talk to somebody about what does this mean and what is how is this going to affect things and um, you know there's so many things that I'm even still learning today about vascular Ehlers-Danlos and um, things that I think I will continually be learning. Um, yeah. So how you said you've mentioned your kids a couple times. How old yep. are your kids? Um, my kiddos are 10 and 8, and they are just these super little crazy kiddos that have so much energy. I love them. <laughs> and so you know, I really struggled with do I want to get them tested or do I not want to get them tested. Um, my 10-year-old son has um, high-functioning autism, and I was very worried about uh, telling him about VEDS because he really focuses on certain things and then gets hooked on them. And I was just really worried that, you know, sharing that diagnosis with him would be really scary for him. Mm -hmm. um, then let alone also having to think about, you know, do I want to get him tested? And, you know, I think the benefits way outnumbered the risks the risks of finding out if they had beds. So I, I did decide to get them tested. And um, I think that four-week waiting period, again, was probably the worst four weeks of my life. Just thinking, okay, I can, I can deal with whatever health issues are thrown at me, but when it's your kiddos and it's these little people that you've created, mm -hmm. I just, like, the thought of passing something on to them was terrifying to me and I know unfortunately a lot of VEDS patients have to deal with that and I'm very very fortunate that neither of my kids um, neither of the kiddos have VEDS mm -hmm. so when I got that that ding on my phone that day that was like the best ding I could have ever had on my phone you know the best notification in which I did find out again just through a notification on my phone. That's crazy. <laughs> Don't know why the doctors aren't calling me. <laughs> when I found out, like, I got a notification on my phone that results were available, but they were withheld until the doctor called me. Huh. That's so crazy. I can't even yeah. imagine what it, I mean, like, I wanted, I was upset that it wouldn't show me the results because I really strongly suspected that I did have it. Sure. And so I was just like, gosh, it's already on here and they're not even open until tomorrow. And like, I want the answer now. <laughs> and even like one night of waiting, I'm sure, was just torture. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, but it was like a, a four-month long thing for me where I was pretty sure I had it, but nobody would test me. So it was like when I got the results for me, it was really devastating, but it was also really validating. And it was mm -hmm. a point at which I could start moving forward after I worked through the grief. I I can understand that because I think it's, you have that moment kind of like I said in the Dominican Republic where it's like, okay, you had your life prior to your VEDS diagnosis and then moving forward from that day is now your life with the diagnosis, you know, because it is, that is such a turning point for everything in your everyday life. Yeah. So were there any things when you were a kid that pointed to this? Um, I remember, like I said, just I had 
such issues with bruising, um, I would go, you know, I would show these like giant bruises to my parents or even like as a teenager, I remember going to the doctor with these big bruises and doctors kind of accusing me of, you know, falling or, or bumping into something and then just kind of looking for the attention and, um, you know, so the bruising was a, a big thing, and I always kind of felt like there was something else going on. Um, my gums, I've always had issues with my gums. They, I actually met with a periodontist a couple years ago. This was, you know, a few years prior to my diagnosis. We were talking about my gum issues and everything that I had going on, and, you know, could have been lupus, could it have been whatever else was going on. Um, she had made a comment that sticks with me now saying, I think that there's, you have something more going on with you that, you know, you should really go in and um, talk to your rheumatologist and get more testing because something isn't right with that. And, you know, I did bring that up to my rheumatologist and I, I think um, just struggling with kind of umbrella diagnoses like lupus or even VEDS it's hard to pinpoint certain things and now with a diagnosis you know looking back you can kind of piece it together but when you have kind of that mystery it's it's hard to point a b c if all makes sense for beds mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i totally understand that but yeah for me it was like I got the diagnosis and then like all of a sudden all of these things that have periodically showed up, there's like, man, why is this happening? And every doctor is like, well, no, it's, it's fine. You know, sometimes it just happens. And when it came back as feds, it's like, okay, this makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. And it, it, it's like you don't want to have something, but you also want to know that your, your concerns were real. And, you know, I think any kind of chronic illness it's just it's hard to know how to navigate the system and how to find the provider that can really listen to you and hear your concerns and not just kind of write it off to oh well this is another lupus issue or another this issue or you know oh you have headaches all oh, that that's hard you should try to get away from stress you know because those are things that I was told over and over and over again and it's just not practical and I think, you know, making sure that people listen to their body is so huge. Mm -hmm. Knowing so, that you know your body. Yeah, it's, it's, it totally makes a difference. <laughs> Very me. much so. Yep. Um, so when you found out that you had VEDS, at what point did you tell your children and how did you do it? That's funny. It's actually a funny story. I have to kind of laugh about how I decided to tell them because um, I had got the information. I got back from the Dominican Republic and you know was able to sit down with um, one of the geneticists and kind of asked him for a little advice. Like, do I tell my kids? My kids are pretty young, and he's the one who said, you know, absolutely, you need to. It doesn't have to go into detail, but you do need to start explaining things to them because if something were to happen to you, you know, they're, they're going to be the ones that are there for you. So on my way home from Rochester, I have about an hour drive. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, how, what do I want to tell my kids and what do I want to try to sugarcoat or, you know, I want to 
give them good information, but not scary information. Mm-hmm. And and so I pull up at um, my kiddo's school and I'm sitting there and they come, they come out and they're sitting in my car with me. And so I start in, oh, you know, here's this. We talked about uh, vascular Ehlers-Danlos and, you know, that my test was positive. And we, we went on, we kind of talked about some little things for like five minutes. We're having this good conversation and my son is in the backseat. And, you know, I said, do you guys have any questions? I went through kind of the spiel that I had in my head and, and he kind of perked up and he just looks up and he's like, mom, you have animals to animals? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) I had this like long explanation of talking to him and all he heard was, you have animals to animals. (laughs) (laughs) So we kind of joke about that now. Actually, when I talk about it, sometimes we'll be like, yeah, you know, oh yeah, you have to go to the doctor for animals to animals. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of like the standing joke in our family but now you know they're they're good now because it's well it's been about a year and so I try to leave it really open to their questions or I try to be if I'm going to the doctor I'll tell them you know hey this is what they're going to look at today and you know do you have any questions do you want to talk about anything and I've let them come to a couple doctor appointments you know it's it's scary stuff but it's also the reality of our situation and you know they they know where to find my emergency binder they know where to find my emergency information you know they can I need them to be on my side and to be on my team because they're the ones that are going to be here you know if something were to happen to me so as much as I sort of want to shield them from that I, I also want them to be you know educated enough to to be able to help me out and so that if something happens, that they, you know, might hopefully understand why something happens. Yeah. It's That's, just, uh, I oh, love that animals to animals thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, Mom, like, animals to animals? Like, like, what a bit of comic relief. Yeah. And he totally must have <laughs> it was good. It was, uh, you know, definitely a needed laugh after the conversation. <laughs> So uh, they're good kids, and I just I'm so lucky for them. And you know they're they're the reason that I'm having to plug on here. You know because I'm turning forty in a couple weeks, which is a scary milestone for mm-hmm. people with beds. You know forty is the decade of holy moly. The odds are really not in our favor. Yeah, and um, you know I feel like can so easily get lost in that number of 48, 48, 48. You know, I, I think about that number a lot. And I think really for me, you know, I have to keep my kids in mind and I have to keep, like they're the reason that I want to just keep plowing through with things. And, you know, they they deserve a mom and they deserve somebody that's going to be here for them. And, you know, I just I want to like fight, fight, fight for them. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. It's a it's a hard, you know. It's just it's really morbid. I think, um, and I don't know. I, I know people, you know, vets, patients, and probably yourself. We're all at different stages of maybe a acceptance of our disease as well, because um, the you know time is not on our side. And 
I hope that maybe I could be this 70-year-old grandma that gets to see her grandkids and you know obviously that that's what I would want but I don't know if I will get there you know and that's a hard thing to to try to to talk about with the kids or even just to talk about to people in general mm-hmm. um, and that's where I think you know having family that's supportive of friends um, even just the support groups of other beds patients on Facebook I mean that's been a really big thing for me because I think talking about you know sort of what we're facing is like people just do not understand I mean even people that I love that you know, try to understand VEDS, the kind of finality of it is something that's really hard to discuss. Yeah. I have told a couple of people, like 2020, my goal this year is to kind of do some final planning. I mean, I want to make sure that I have a will done. I want to make sure that I have everything set up so that if something does happen to me, that my kiddos will be taken care of. And I'm comfortable with that. Like I'm, I'm 100%. That doesn't scare me at all. I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm. Is that morbid? No, I, <laughs> I think that I. I mean, I do the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's. I think it's something that's hard for people to understand if they don't have this. Right. They don't have this like cloud of possibility there, that could right. happen at any time seemingly and you know for me it makes me feel better to plan those things because it's something that I don't have to worry about if something does happen I'm not going to be on the way to the hospital being like oh my gosh I didn't do my will you know like it's done it's taken care of you know my as silly as it sounds my cat has somewhere to live you know (laughs) like yeah no I mean those are all things that are really important yeah you want to make sure that you're just leaving less chaos you know if I feel like this is a chaotic time and if something bad goes wrong I don't want to put a burden on anybody in my family or my kiddos like I just want to make sure that things are you know as smooth as they can be yeah there's no it's like it's going to be chaotic no matter what but if there's anything that you can do to reduce that chaos or not add to it Mm mm-hmm it's I agree that's what it makes me feel better so yeah <laughs> I'm, glad I'm not the only one <laughs> yeah no and I don't know I think that's it, it's important to be able to talk about yeah yeah it is mm-hmm. so um is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners that we didn't talk about um I think this is good it's been really nice just to be able to share and kind of just have an open conversation about life with beds and like I said the prior diagnosis and then afterwards you know because it it has been such a big change yeah it's a huge change and it's hard for for mm-hmm. people to understand who haven't been through that change right yeah and um you know I'm I find like new things that I didn't know all the time like I think somebody on one of the Facebook groups that I'm on was talking about not being able to go in a hot tub. And I read that and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to hot tub. And, you know, there's so many, it's so funny because this, this summer, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was 
okay, I got this diagnosis. I'm going to take my kids on a little trip. And we went to this cute little town in Iowa called Okaboji. And what did we do on our trip? We went to uh, a amusement park where there was roller coasters. We went hot tubbing. You know, we, <laughs> I went and got my hair cut down there. And then, you know, now I'm learning all these things like no roller coasters, no hot tubs. You know, don't put your head back into a bowl to get your hair washed at the hair swaths. Like, I went on this trip, and that's exactly, I did everything that I wasn't supposed to do. <laughs> but clearly, like, I lived 39 years doing that. I think, you know, one more time. But, you know, it's just the, the reality of, gosh, I really do have a lot of limitations now. And those are, that's the reality of the situation. I can go, you know, I have to kind of laugh about what that little trip that we took. It was like, bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. But I didn't know that was a bad decision. I guess um, um, it's interesting because I think some people still do those things and some people don't. And I think it's like whatever you're comfortable with and whatever your doctor's comfortable with. You yeah. know, I always try to think about like when I start getting anxious about something happening, um, I like what I tell myself is, okay, if I have done this thing a thousand times before and something happens right now when I do it, is it because, like, I did that thing or is it just because it was going to happen? I like that because you can't always control everything. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, I, yeah, if you've done it time and time and time again, you know, I lived 39 years going on roller coasters and going in hot tubs. I don't know. You're right. I think it's just about finding that balance on what you feel comfortable with. And you don't want to just take away all the good things right. that you enjoy. Because then it's not it's really a life. That balance. Right. I don't want, I mean, that is already such a part of my thought process like all day long that, mm -hmm. you know, just, I know that there are certain things that I should not do, but there's also, you don't want to be in a bubble and live your life in fear of something happening. Yeah. And yeah. It's important to find that balance and everybody's balance is different, you know? Yep. yep. And some people will mm -hmm. go on a hot tub and won't do a roller coaster. <laughs> and that's, yeah. just, that's just their line. And I, and as I think as long as, you know, that's your doctor is comfortable with your line. I, I think that is a, a good way to find balance. Very much support. so. I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm so glad that you talked to me today about your story. Like it's really special getting to talk to you after meeting you in person and not really getting to hear your whole story. So thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. Like I said, this has been, it's nice to be able to share your story. And I think the cool part of our events community is that everybody has such a different story. Um, you know, whether it's a more severe story or a more mild story, but just to, to be able to, you know, com connect with each other and know that you're not alone. I mean, before meeting you and the other ladies that I met at the Marfan conference, I probably wouldn't have been able to meet somebody with beds. So it's neat to be able to connect with different people and hear their stories and just to know that we're, even though you may feel alone or you may be alone in, in your circle that you run in, that we all have each other's back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a really tight-knit community and it makes yeah. such a difference. It's awesome. <laughs>
Thank well, you. thank you again. And thank you everybody for listening. This was Katie talking to Jenny about her story with VEDS. If you haven't connected with somebody else with VEDS and you want to connect with somebody else with VEDS, feel free to contact me through my blog uh, contact me page and I will do my best to get you connected to somebody. If you want to share your story on this podcast, we can talk about that too. And stay on the lookout for the next episode. This is a monthly podcast and it comes out on the last Sunday of the month. So thank you again for listening and we'll talk to you soon.